Kia ora tato. Uh, welcome to a special edition podcast. Uh, we'll call it a COVID-19 podcast. My name is Richard Allen. I'm the group director for Farm Source here at Fonterra. And I thought today um, I would take a little bit of time to talk to Tehan Chow, uh, who may not be that familiar to, to our farmers back in New Zealand. He's certainly been around the co-op for some time now. Tehan is our uh, CEO for the Greater China Region, so that covers mainland China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, uh, and a very, very experienced um, operator in, in the Chinese market. And I thought, given all the uncertainty that's going on with COVID-19, um, one of the markets that I know we're all looking to is, is China. It's a huge part of our cooperative, uh, and they seem to be on the right side of COVID-19. So I thought it'd be great to touch base with China, get a bit of an update on the market, uh, and see how things are going there. Kia ora, Tehan. How are you? Good, Richard. Really pleased to be here and be able to talk to our uh, farmer shareholders today. It's wonderful to, to have you here. I thought maybe we'd just kick off. Um, you're, you're probably pretty new to our farmer shareholders. You joined FMT in December last year, but you've been in the co-op for some time. What's your background? Um, so I actually grew up in the U.S., but most of my working life has been in China. So I've been in the uh, agribusiness space for quite a while, so working for a privately owned uh, farming com uh, agri integrated agribusiness company in the U.S., um, as well as working for a uh, commodity trading firm, which has uh, traded agricultural commodities primarily. Um, and then for the last uh, four years or so, I've been with uh, Fonterra. Perfect. And so prior to this, you were running our ingredients business across China and Southeast Asia? That's right. So previous to that, it was a uh, accounting for, I think, roughly 40% of uh, NZMP's global volumes, um, covering uh, about 23 different markets within the uh, um, South and East Asia and uh, Greater China regions. Awesome. So, uh, family, what, what's the family situation in China? Uh, I think, uh, well, for myself, uh, I'm based in China at the moment. My family and kids got caught in the U.S. Uh, while we were on our uh, Chinese New Year break um, and haven't been able to come back. Um, and I guess the situation is not getting any better. So it looks like I'm going to be without my family for a while. I tell you, after two days of working from home, that's sounding quite good to me. Um, so uh, <laughs> what's, talk to me a little bit. You know, the, the news we get back here in New Zealand is that China seems to have done a really great job in containing the virus and things getting back to normal or maybe not quite yet? Uh, I think it's it's heading in the direction, uh, so I wouldn't call it normal at this point, but I think that uh, certainly we see that the situation is improving. Um, so obviously China was at the front end of this, uh, this curve and, and really went through the cycle earlier than all the rest of the world. Um, and it was some uh, very uh, stressful and tumultuous times for a while there. Um, with some very stringent lockdowns, uh, particularly in Wuhan, uh, where we actually have about 10 people. Um, and then uh, the other cities obviously have also reacted quite uh, strongly in terms of uh, constricting business, which means that um, if you can't go out, you, you don't go to restaurants. And, and so the food service business probably was the most hard hit mm. uh, of all of our businesses. Um, and then I think now we're seeing life start to return to normal. Um, again, there's been a lot of adaptation going on. So again, more takeouts, more home uh, delivery of food. Um, and so those businesses that have been at the forefront of changing their business model a little bit have, have been the ones that uh, are quicker to, to respond. 
Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. So, um, you know, food service, our food service customers. So I guess when we talk about food service, we're talking about bakeries and restaurants and pizza chains and all that. What, what Was there anything we could do to help them through the crisis? Like, is there any, you know, how, how did the team respond to that? Because it kind of happened overnight. Yeah, so it, it, it basically, as you said, it happens overnight. They shut down. Um, all of the people that are running the bakeries are, and restaurants are told to go home. Um, so what we did to try to respond to that was uh, a couple things. So first of all was that we, again, they're sitting at home doing nothing, uh, basically. So we tried to provide them with training tools. So that was the opportunity for them to, to get on the, the videos and the devices um, to learn how to, how to use dairy or cooking methods or applications. So it was a good um, – you have a captured audience, if you will, because they don't have much else to do. Um, so it was a good time to teach them about the benefits of uh, our dairy products and, and, again, building the, the uh, anchor food professionals uh, branding within uh, these customers um, as well. And then when we started to see some of them kind of come back, uh, we supported some of our early customers with uh, masks. So those that, um, you know, again, they started their business and they needed a mask and maybe perhaps they were a small business and, and couldn't have the ability to procure those themselves. So so we used our ability to find masks for them um, and, and gave we sent out, I think, around 200,000 masks wow. um, to our customers. So So they were very appreciative of that as well. And so you mentioned, I guess, you know, the, the captured audience. Uh, we also heard back in, I'm not sure if it was true or not, that, um, the Chinese government, as part of their kind of, you know, be healthy sort of campaign, had a really strong message about dairy consumption. What, what was that in the market, and did, did it have any effect? Yeah, so so there were a couple things. One was that they talked about the benefits of dairy in contributing to immunity, um, which obviously is the hot topic when you have a disease circulating. Mm. Um, and they talked about what the, the, the average um, or daily consumption should be. Uh, and that was a lift off of their previous uh, recommended daily allowances. Um, and so that was one thing that, that helped in terms of getting dairy off the ground in, in this particular circumstance. Um, another part was um, we saw that there were uh, a lot of new art, news articles circulating about um, how yogurts um, and the cultures in yogurts will also help immunity. So suddenly we saw um, yogurts taking off, which really benefited our uh, ingredient side of the business um, as we're a supplier to many of the leading dairy companies um, in China with ingredients that get, go into yogurts. Um, so we very quickly saw actually yogurt production uh, come back to normal levels um, fairly quickly um, in this cycle. Yeah, that's great. So, so food service and ingredients, and then I guess our other major business up there is our consumer business. What was their take and kind of how they responded or had to respond? Yeah, so you can imagine that, again, with uh, restrictions on people movement, uh, no one goes to a supermarket anymore or it becomes a rare occasion. So we saw our offline sales um, drop off uh, with uh, the outbreak. Um, and then it has started to come back, but uh, quite slow as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but the online side was uh, booming. So, again, uh, everybody is uh, not going out, so they still need to buy food. Um, so they buy online. So then we saw online sales um, uh, in some instances increase significantly um, across the different categories that we're in, um, as well as at the start, you do get a little bit of the panic buying that takes place, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm sure is going on in New Zealand as well. Um, and so with that, then you have that panic buying uplift as well. But what's been really interesting for us is um, dairy foods. 
um, has been a significant uh, uh, growth item uh, uh, for our consumer brands. So um, increasing by multiples. So typically, you know, if you're trying to educate consumers how to use dairy foods, you could get you know a 10% gain, a 20% gain. You don't go multiples within months, but mm -hmm. now we're at multiples. So the challenge for us is how do we hang on to that? Right. Um, and when we head into that new normal, make sure that we've got all these new consumers or, or frequent consumers that continue to com consume with that type of frequency. And, and when you're talking dairy foods, just for, for a little bit, that, that's not a term we use back here. We're talking about butter and cheese and all that at, at home, right? So it's like sandwiches that's and that sort of thing? Right. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Right. Awesome. So yeah, panic buying, we've definitely seen a bit of that in New Zealand. Um, I'm sure there's been some panic buying of dairy, but uh, I don't know what's happened in China, but New Zealanders seem to have a penchant for uh, buying toilet paper. So uh, yeah, we've seen a lot of toilet paper go out. I don't know if that was a thing in China. It's interesting that that wasn't one of the things in China. So there wasn't a, a panic on toilet paper. And when, when first someone first mentioned to me, oh, you make sure you stock up on your toilet paper. It was like, huh? What are you talking about? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still trying to figure that one out here. But anyway, I've got a, my wife was uh, definitely one of those panic buyers. Hey, so, um, you know, we're all going down and I guess we're about to kick off a, a four week lockdown. Um, what are some of the, the ways that, you know, that, that your team have responded? You know, how do you make it work in, in a virtual sense? And, and have you been impressed with kind of how quickly that, you, you know, your team's adapted? Oh, I, I think the team has adapted quite well. So immediately some of the teams um, set up daily calls so that they would have a daily check-in. Um, you know, maybe it was a 15-minute or a 30-minute call that they would organize with all of the team to get on to talk about the day's issues or any concerns. Um, and then as well, we saw that, uh, you know, as this started to progress, then when we, we organized calls with our customers, mm -hmm. um, so even we were doing uh, the NZMP team was doing innovation sessions mm. with customers over, um, you know, a teleconference. So you can imagine how it's not easy to do even in person, but then uh, when you're trying to show products or talk about product concepts with, and do it over a screen rather than in person, it becomes even more difficult, but it was quite well received um, by the customers. Um, so, so again, trying to, to adapt to the situation um, and then obviously, you know, uh, even with the technology that we do have, it doesn't necessarily work all the time. So yeah. having a backup plan saying, so if this method doesn't work, then I have a backup method. Um, I think that all was um, really, really worked really well. Um, and then, you know, just recently talking to um, Judith and Judith was saying that, you know, we all need to be a little bit more patient when the technology doesn't work. And, and, and sometimes I think that that's where uh, I don't do so well. But, um, <laughs> Uh, I think that that's, that's a really good point, which is, you know, we all need to be a little bit more understanding in this yeah. period um, when, when there are things that aren't, just aren't going to work uh, because uh, everything is a little bit stressed, including the people. So true. So true. So, so I mean, look, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to tempt fate, but it kind of sounds like China's on the other side. What are you seeing now in terms of customers, supply chain demand, you know, things picking back up? Yeah, so things are starting to pick up um, across various sectors. Um, so it's not a, everything is increasing at the same pace. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, we do see across NZMP that um, most of our customers are have all of their facilities running. So probably, I don't know the statistic, but you would say nearly 100%. Mm -hmm. um, now, they're not necessarily all running at full capacity, uh, but they are running. So that is a, that is a good sign over there. 
Um, across our food service side, we do see, again, the bakeries probably at the early front of that starting to return, the coffee shops, the tea shops starting to return. Um, you, uh, Starbucks did announce publicly that they have 85% of their stores open um, in China. Yeah, so, so we do see a lot of um, that starting to return. So our numbers um, are starting to, to reflect that um, in terms of uh, some of the increases. Um, I guess what we are also seeing probably is a little bit of um, um, uh, in terms of being um, cautious of what happens in other parts of the world and from, from Europe, from New Zealand, from the U.S. Um, so there is a little bit of stocking up going on as well um, as a preventative measure for what might happen in the supply chain. Um, although we probably don't necessarily um, forecast to see that that being a, a major issue, but uh, there are some customers that, that are trying to preempt that just in case. Hmm. One of the, um, I guess, I guess going into this, China was without doubt probably the leading market or leading consumer base in terms of adoption of technology. And one of the things, you know, we're, we're talking a lot back here is what does the world look like, you know, on the other side? Have we, you know, fundamentally changed some things? What do you think about China? Do you think there's been some funda fundamental changes to the market or consumers or the way people go about things? Oh, certainly. I, I think that, uh, again, when you're forced to change, mm. uh, you're definitely going to adopt things much quicker than, than if you had a choice to do it or not to do it. Mm. So, again, you think of the people that probably didn't shop online before. Uh, well, when, you, it's, when it's, you can't go out, it's either shop online or nothing. So yeah. then you will adapt and you learn to shop online. And then I think that there will be a, a little bit of a permanence to that going out of this, that some people will just now become come used to that and, and that will be, you know, the new normal for them. Um, so, again, I think that across various things and hopefully dairy consumption is also one of them where people become more accustomed to it um, through this uh, cycle and, and, and they continue it as they come out of this. Yeah, that's right. So those those sort of changing channels, and and I actually think we'll see a bit of a acceleration of the adoption of of that sort of omni-channel, but back here in New Zealand. So I guess you know if if you kind of think back, and what do you think the one kind of key learning or experience would be out of all of this from you know COVID nineteen from from yourself and and doing business in China, or even just you know dealing with it personally. I, I think it's about uh, flexibility and being agile. Mm -hmm. um, so understanding that we're in unprecedented circumstances uh, and we all need to be a little bit more flexible about the way things are going about. Uh, and we need to be a little bit more agile. So, so things aren't always going to be perfect. Uh, and we may need to change and adjust. And, and sometimes it will work. Sometimes it doesn't work. Well, if it doesn't work, we move on and try another method. But we've got to be able to to be a lot more accepting of that. So whereas in the past, you know, you, you had your uh, ways of working or rules and, and they were probably a little rigid. Uh, I think that uh, everybody has a lot more understanding of the situation that we're in and a lot more tolerant of um, exceptions and, and other ways of doing things we, that we all need to go through. So, again, you know selling more toilet paper. I don't know if that's in your future plans, but again, <laughs> trying to trying to do things a little bit more differently or, or, or Richard, maybe offer a variety of different types of toilet paper. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's right. Antiviral. Uh, that, that's awesome. And I guess, so our farmers, I, I guess, are already pros at kind of working from home. They, they do it day in and day out. But 
for us, you know, newbies to this, you, you guys have been doing it for a while now. You, you seem to have it down pat. Any any tips for, for, for working from home through a lockdown? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, again, I, I think maybe there's more for us to, to learn from uh, our farmer shareholders who are probably much more adept at that. But uh, I think that for us, you know, again, part of it is how, making sure that we try to stay connected um, to our teams. So, um, again, you don't have the, uh, the luxury of, you know, accidentally bumping to them in the hallway. Um, so then that means that you've got to make a little bit more of a conscious effort to, to reach out to them um, and have a conversation or, or even just have a text message. Um, and, and I think the other thing to deal with is, is again, trying to manage through some of the, the technology that we uh, have and, and getting, getting all of that to work. Um, so making sure that, uh, again, we try to, even in our work from home, we try to maintain some sort of uh, agility and, and flexibility. Um, and then the last one, which, uh, again, I think that uh, because, and our farmer shareholders probably can do this better than us, but how do you separate between your work hours and your personal hours? Yeah. Um, or, or how do you not let everything just kind of blend into one period from when you wake up to when you go to sleep? Yeah, uh, I think that that's um, that's something that uh, we all have to work on a little bit. You know, again, I, I don't have family with me because they're all in the U.S., so it kind of even worsens from that <laughs> perspective. Um, but I guess in, in, I've tried as an example to say that um, I'll stop sending emails to my teams on the weekends yep. so that I'll, I'll let them have a weekend uh, and, and be able to not feel like they need to um, deal with the things that, that I'm thinking through or, or working on. Um, although this means that they have a really awful Monday morning because they <laughs> receive all the emails, um, but at least you know trying to cut that off and say you know we give a personal space. I think that's something that that uh, is going to it's not easy to do when you're kind of working from home. Um, yeah. And perhaps there's lessons that we can learn and and look forward to hearing from our farmer shareholders on on tips that they may have to be able to give us um, as to how to do that better. Yeah, that's a great call. Hey. Um... It's been uh, it's been awesome to to have you on to, uh, today, Tehan. Um, some real nuggets in there in there for us. It's great to hear that um, we you know the, the green shoots seem to be coming through in the Chinese economy. It is without doubt our most important market. Um, it's uh, hopefully a little bit of an intro to yourself to, to some of our farmers and and hopefully when all these uh, travel restrictions come off, you can get down and we can get you down and uh, visit a few of our shareholders across the country. But thanks so much for taking the time. Um, thanks for an awesome response to COVID-19 and pulling the co-op through it from a Chinese market perspective. Say hi to all uh, the team from me uh, and have a great right. weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Tehan. Cheers. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our cooperative podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. And if there are people or areas of the business that you'd like to hear from, just let me know. Hope you're all having a great day. Ina hora.